Welcome back to the First Issue Club podcast. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're covering Sabrina the Teenage Witch out on Archie Comics and Bad Luck Chuck on Dark Horse Comics. Hey, everybody. We're, we are First Issue Club. Um, we are the First Issue Club podcast where we read first issues weekly. We are here as your reading club to lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky world that is the comic book landscape. We talk about first issues, we read them, we've got a lot of, we got two fun books this week, but uh, in the club today we have some special people that did some special tripping over the week. We got Greg, we got Kaylin, we got Mike D, and they took their asses to C2E2 in Chicago, and let's hear about it. Shoot me your highs and lows. I went to boy and I came um, came back a man. <laughs> I'm I'm wholly new <laughs> after C2E2. Born again. <laughs> um, I had a blast. I'll say that I'm glad that we went Friday because Saturday looked like a shit show. Uh, I had a lot of fun just cruising the like artist alley. Uh, I met R. B. Silva, who's ri- who has done art for. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Uncanny X-Men, two books that I read quite a bit of. Bought some art from him. He was a super cool guy. It's just awesome to, like, shoot the shit with people that you're, like, a big fan of. It's, like, really weird to just, like, have a genuine human connection with somebody that just... And have them be real people. Yeah, have them be real people, and they just seem so far away. Do you find, like, that comic book people that you're a fan of seem realer than, like, if you were to, like, I don't know, meet a rock star or something like that? I, oh, 100%. Yeah. I think comic book people are more in touch with reality mm-hmm. in the sense that they're like normal people with like desk jobs, essentially. Mm-hmm. I get the sense that they all kind of can't believe that they get to do what they do. So it's like for all the world, they are almost still geeking out over what they get to do and are regular people. Yeah, that's a good point. That's about, a really good way to put it. Yeah, about like geeking out on stuff, too, because the creators are also huge nerds. So when you come up to them and you're just like, oh, I love an issue like 878 when like this guy does this. It's like such a cool moment. And like they know exactly what you're talking about. And they remember drawing the page and can geek out on it with you. And they're telling you that like if you have something comic themed on you, like they're like, oh, that's cool. Like I love that bag or the whatever. Like it's kind of a mutual geekdom. Yeah. So I think that's my high just interactions with people. My low I had <laughs> I had high expectations for one Marvel panel. It sounded like my dream panel. It was Amazing Spider-Man, the most recent creators, and they did like bracketology of this like Spider-Man hunted event that's going on where like all the villains and Spider-Man yeah. are like fighting each other and they discussed like each villain pairing and kind of tried to get to like a final four of villains and it was I couldn't have been more boring. Ooh, it was very boring. We went and sat I, they, down. It just sounds so it's uh, that, intriguing, just the way you described it. It's that joke of who would win in a fight, and then they did that over and over and yeah, over and over again. They had to have done it at least like what twenty times to get to like the final. So it was like a good idea and concept, and then delivery right didn't work out that well. We should take notes for our comic con. <laughs> totally, I was. Well, do my, not do this. The good thing was, I was like, these are famous comic book people. And if this is the bar, then we are fucking set for our <laughs> panel. Like, we're going to be so much better than that. 
Uh, so we got up and walked out like five minutes in, which was very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It was uncomfortable but to walk out. We did get out. to see a little girl just... talk about how much she loved the owl and like all the stuff that she knew about the owl, which was really cool <laughs> and very cute. That is cool. That was a high point of the local thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think my high point would be, it's not, of C2E2, it would probably be the Freezing Geek Spotlight. Oh, yeah, and I it forgot wasn't you went even to that. comic book related. I kind Those of are went... sometimes the best, I feel like, at the cons. Those little like yeah. side things that aren't comic book related. Well, I kind of went on a whim. It was going on at the same time of one of the other panels, I think, for Valiant. And I want, I was in that panel. And then... I was like, you know what? It's still going on, and I think I've gotten the gist of what this is going to be, and so maybe I'll just pop over there. And it was great. It was funny. And I didn't know that John Francis Daly had um, something to do with the creative team of Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming. And so they talked about that a bit, and he and Martin Starr are just very funny. They have essentially grown up together. Martin Starr was there? Oh, yeah. There were so many big celebrities there. That was, like, another super cool thing about C2P2. He seemed pretty huge, like a huge star. No, I I had the same kind of thought, too, though. I was like, man, I wonder if this is going to be... It's not comic-related. Like, no one's going to be in here. And they had the main stage, and it was, like, really full. I'll say, too, that I went to, like, a podcaster's meetup, and we were the only comic book podcast. That I met like tons of people and I expected it to be all comic book podcasters. Not the case at all. So I feel like these bigger conventions draw much more of just like a pop culture yeah. fan base too. We could probably say we're the best comic book podcast in the world. <laughs> well, who's going to stop us? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we could say a lot of things. If we will it. <laughs> yeah, this is the secret. <laughs> did you have a low moment? I don't know that I did, honestly. Like... I think if we had gone back Saturday, I could have stood to go back again. Um, it wasn't that I felt conned out, um, but it was it was the right amount of people and foot traffic that I've become accustomed to. I won't say that I enjoy because it's still <laughs> very uh, draining. We thought about for our, um, like if we ever get a booth to make it like a sensory friendly, like have cloth around it and like soothing, like to where you can not just be so just overstimulated like crazy that was like my dream i was just like what can i just stand in a corner and stare yeah i think all of us have a little (laughs) bit of like introversion that happens that something like that would be really actually pleasant yeah 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 Yeah. somebody just whispers some some asmr in your ear (laughs) oh god that would set me off edge (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but it was i i don't think i could say that i had a low point because i feel like we talked to a lot of the creators which has been really cool for me getting more into knowing actually who these people are you know instead of just reading the stories and being done with it um it was awesome that's super that's a great con experience yeah Mm -hmm. i forgot to mention we read and loved assassination a couple weeks back met both of the creators of that they signed a book for me very cool they were awesome there were so many people like that that i was just like shit i just read your book for my podcast Mm -hmm. i would have loved to have met it was he was he hawking sex castle yeah, he had Sex Castle on his table. Ooh. Oh, shit, I didn't even notice that. I would have picked it up. I cannot recommend Sex Castle enough. Yep. Greg, highs and lows of C2E2 Comic Con. I will keep it short and sweet. The high of his trip was we got in for free because we got press passes because we were covering the event. And that was the first time that has ever happened to me, and it was awesome. It was so cool. Just walking in with a little press badge on your uh, on your neck would be it was pretty fun. The low was I got 
roped into buying a blind box of <laughs> random comic books. And uh, it was $30 for 15 comics, which if you break it down, isn't that much. But they were all different variants of Walking Dead number one reprints. And I was just super, super bummed. What's funny is you were about to buy one because they were like, well, we'll let you choose your own box because you don't know. Yeah. Like, so he picked out one and they kind of like flipped through it a little bit just to count, I think, to make sure the count was right. And he was like, you don't want this. It's all Walking Dead. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he was like, there's no, like, variety at all. And so then he picks out a different box and it was still like 60% Walking Walking Dead. Dead. I was just (laughs) bummed. Uh, but that was it. I mean, it was a great trip, great experience. We got to meet a lot of our fans and uh, friends from Twitter, which was really cool. Um, got to meet new creators, talk to them. I got to meet Ryan Otley in life, in real life, which was like a huge thing for me because I, I grew up on Invincible, so that was really cool. Uh, yeah, it was really, really fun. Super cool. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you if I could give you some like tips for how to con or how to C2E2. Uh, and if anyone else has any, like, shout them out. But one thing I would say is that Friday, best day to go. It, you're not overwhelmed by people. We had some people who were in our hotel with us that we shared an elevator with, and they were obviously coming back from the convention, and Greg was like, oh, con, what was, like, the you know best thing that happened to you today? And they were like, well, we did one thing. We waited. They waited like an hour and a half to get into the convention, first of all. Um, and not that there was like a lot of like lines or anything the day we went. It was just that there were so many people trying to get in that it could only move so quick. And then they waited five and a half hours to get a signature of one guy who, was, who had done a voice in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I think he was the voice of like Vegeta or something. And it was like... You waited five and a half hours for that? He's not even a famous person. <laughs> I guess in it wasn't their even world, Paul Rudd maybe, or but he does a voice there. of a cartoon. And and like the dubbed version of it, he's not even like the original voice actor, right? That's insane. They yeah. waited five and a half hours and paid to get mm-hmm. his signature. So Saturday just sounds insane. Yeah. And I totally think that like as big of a fan as you are of like some of these people. That experience, I think, is totally not worth it. Like, meet new people, try new things. Like, that's the best convention experience I think you can have. Yeah. But waiting in line just to have, like, one experience with one person. Yeah. It defeats the purpose of, I think, what the convention's really all about. Mm-hmm. It is ever getting an autograph, like, that fun? The actual experience of, like, them signing the book? Yeah. When I had Stan Lee sign my book, it was like <laughs> an, a, a, a religious experience. I totally freaked. Yeah. And it's I had the it, same experience. Even when, I, when we, when we and met. And he didn't even uh, say anything to you? He said no, he like did. 10 seconds of words to me. But even when <laughs> at T2E2, when we met Erica Henderson and Ryan Otley, and when uh, all the creators we met, they just talked to us just for to... a little bit, Jeremy Hahn. It was so cool. Like just that close interaction with them. Like they are really appreciative that we're friends. And that we buy their stuff. So like, that, that's the thing I was going to mention is that I only get autographs for the that little moment that I can have to just chat with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Them actually signing the book is not a thing that I really care about. I'm just like, sign this book so I can just talk it's to you. It's your true, excuse, true. you're in. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well, well, that I think puts it's a, a nice reminder of the conversation and being able to show off to people like not only did they sign this thing for me, but I got to chat with them while that happened. Or, yeah. Yeah, it is. I That's Yeah. It's like a yearbook. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> have. Have a. Have a great. <laughs> well, that puts a damper on one of the gifts. Oh, no. I brought back for Budget King. <laughs> No, I'm saying my you're, gonna, you're still gonna lose your mind over this. Happy one. Do you already Con know what it is? Day to uh, I have no idea what this is actually. <laughs> Happy Con Day <laughs> to well, I got, you. I got you two little things. First off, uh, we pass that down mm-hmm. to Mike Russo from our friend Whoa. Jeremy Hahn. <laughs> from a, the realm, a realm demon skull. Oh, that is so awesome! It's, this is what the guy wears that sings uh, the song. Right? And has the shotgun with the knife on it? I think so. That's awesome. That's super cool. All right. And then another super nerdy thing for the Budget King. This is too nice of you, Mike D. (gasps) (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, So this is uh, the first issue of Die, and it is signed by Stephanie Hahn, the artist, which is super awesome. Yeah. We like Die a lot. We covered it, and it's one of our favorite books. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. that book you're holding is is like is like in its fifth reprint, and that cover is specifically a third print, and it's my favorite cover that I've seen of Die so far. Like they keep changing the colors up on each printing of the cover, and I love this so one. So did you talk to her? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. I even tried to step away, and she just kept talking and talking, and I was like, <laughs> "All right, cool." Her her art she's is, down in, to, is down insane. To talk. Oh, she's incredible. It's absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, is she yeah. Uh, Swedish? She had like an accent. She did, but I couldn't. I couldn't place it. This is super sweet, Mike D. You always, you're one of the best gift givers in the world. So thank you. Thank you. I, true I'll, story. I'll give that back to you. You're a great gift giver, Budget King. Mm, well, thank you. Oh, guys, can we please <laughs> just get this podcast started? <laughs> First up, we have Sabrina the Teenage Witch out on Archie Comics by Kelly Thompson and Veronica and Andy Fish. Kelly Thompson may be a familiar name to you if you've listened to this podcast. She got the number five best author of 2018. She's done a ton of uh, fun Marvel books, and we are certainly a fan of her. So here she is with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Caitlin, what do we have here? So we have... Another origin. So with The Chilling Adventures out and some other books out on Sabrina, her origins may be known a bit already or just a little bit more familiar, but this story does have some notable differences. It's Sabrina's first day at Greendale, and she's spell-happy, boy-crazy, trying to stay in her own lane and blend in and also make herself and her aunties proud. That's kind of really the... Long and short of it. There's some other things that happen, um, but they're kind of what I'm assuming is going to be this ongoing plot. So for people that haven't read this yet, um, there's a bunch of different Sabrina uh, entities that exist. There's the best one, which is the TGIF. uh, The best (laughs) one. Whoa, debatable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's her name? Hot take. 
Melissa Joan Hart. Melissa Clarissa Joan Hart. explains it all. Yeah, there we go. Uh, there's the Netflix show, and then there's the comics that uh, when she was like the size of Casper, uh, <laughs> tiny girl uh, <laughs> comics. <laughs> um, which of these like realms is this happening in, or none of them? I think it's its own separate thing. It's probably more geared toward the Netflix show, um, it, just in aesthetic. I would agree with that. It's got the similar tone and vibe. We've got a new season starting like a week from now, so it's writing off of the hype of that. I'll say that the Archie Forever relaunch is this kind of new, updated look at the characters with some really good authors and creative teams, like Chip Zdarsky, I think, did Jughead. Mark Wade did the main Archie series. They're doing some cooler, edgier stuff in here. And this is, I think, Sabrina's first entry into the Archie Forever universe. And so Salem talks in this. What do you guys think about that? I'm used to Salem talking. It yeah, was, me too. I was kind of expecting during the whole Netflix series for Salem to give us some bad attitude, <laughs> and it never happened. That's such like signature Salem to he me. He was just a demon yeah. of sorts. I, I like this version of, Sa- of Salem a lot. He seems like uh, pretty sentient, but mm-hmm. also like very developed. Yeah. And not just like sarcastic Salem. Like there seems like there's some depth to him. Yeah, I, I Salem's the cat, by the way. In case, you, in case you guys don't know <laughs> that, old, old Salem. you're not a, a Sabrina expert like us. <laughs> I thought the um, latest TV series left room potentially for us to find out more about Salem because he's just treated like a familiar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the TV show, but they don't do as much with him as like any other. Sabrina that's ever been launched in any medium. So there, I think there's got to be room for us to find out that it's like a person trapped in a cat or a demon mm-hmm. or what have you with like a personality and wants and desires, etc. We read a bunch of uh, books that go to high school and kind of dramatize it. Buffy was one of them. There's lots of different stuff that's happened there. Um, how did this book do well in the high school verse, drama verse of all of like creating a high school story? I love it. We've already got the bully. We've <laughs> we've got the nerd friend. One thing that this did different that was really refreshing to me was that our lead came in hyper confident. Mm. That she's kind of a badass and a bit of a rule breaker and I feel like a lot of these stories your your lead is really timid and gets picked on and has a hard time finding their place and then finds like the nerds that they're friends with. She's in both worlds. She's got, like, the hot guys after her and is flirting with dudes and nailing it. And then she's also, <laughs> she's also like, standing up for, like, the nerds and is kind of making her place as, like, someone really fucking cool to know, like, immediately. So, clever with a spin. Yeah, I think they do some early on really fun character development with her. Um, she's definitely emo a little bit and like mm-hmm. looking at the world is like kind of a scary place. My One of my favorite things was just like a very simple thing but resonated with me is before she leaves, she gets handed an elixir, mm-hmm. but it says it's essentially going to like help her with like love and luck. Protection. Yeah, protection. Yeah. And I was like, I would drink the ever loving fuck. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Out of that. Like, and she. I don't care how bad it tastes. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm an <laughs> elixir fiend. And you do, like, <laughs> whatever it is, you just give me a little bit of milk thistle, turmeric, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Uh, but she dumps it out. 
and she eats a pop tart from uh, her uh, aunt that her aunt slipped her instead. And I thought that was like a real subtle way to be like, this is uh, a human witch that's like has two feet in or a foot in yeah. both worlds, two feet in both worlds. So well, she's four more feet, specifically, yeah. she's a teenager. Yeah, and she doesn't want to do healthy things. She wants to eat pop tarts and flirt with boys, like yeah. like everyone, and use her spells to fix her hair. Yeah, which I thought that was really clever from the from the get go. Uh, Sabrina has uh, white hair because she's a witch, which is apparently a thing. But uh, she uses her special witch powers to change her hair blonde, so it's more socially acceptable in her new school. And I thought, even though she has these great powers and the ability to influence people in different ways with spells, she's still she's still concerned about her appearance, much like any other teenager. I thought there was nothing in the story that I wouldn't like or want to be invested in, but I think the saturation is a problem. Just there's too many Sabrina outlets right now. Yeah, and I don't know if I need this one um, over any other. Right. I don't know what distinguishes it. Yeah. I love the TV show so much. Me too. Like, the show is so damn good. Uh-huh. And I guess I'm just, like, thirsty for more Sabrina right now. <laughs> so, like, I binged the first season so quick, and I was just like, yes, more Sabrina shit. <laughs> and you open it up, and there's just, like, immediately a demon and some, like, evil shit, which was something so unique about the Netflix series that they lean so hard into, like, Satanism and stuff like that. I was gonna say that like the show leaned went full throttle devil. Yeah, and you I wouldn't have thought like for like a Netflix thing that was you would want to be like enjoyable to the masses and get a lot of people into it, that they would have gone like some other route of mystical, but they're saying like, Oh, thanks Satan, you're okay. (laughs) Yeah, praise Satan. Yeah, like all this stuff. And this book I'm hoping goes the same route because it's kind of like feeding off of that, like, mm-hmm. more modern, hip Sabrina sort of it character. It didn't quite go there, though. It toyed, no. so, toyed yeah, with it. It toyed with that idea. And and I liked this enough that I think I'm willing to give it a few more issues to see if it goes to that fucked up place. Yeah. But but maybe does it uh, a little more naturally than the the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was, like, the cover was a haunted house. Oh, and we, fuck. And we knew immediately that it was going to be, like, fucked up, dark, and scary. Yeah. And this could be one of those books. What, what, we mentioned we loved Kelly Thompson. She's a great writer. She hasn't let me down in anything else she's written before. So I want to invest myself in this. And the twists and turns in this could be a greater payoff when you think that this is based in just such a normal like high school world, you know what I mean? Like when we watched the, uh, when we read The Magicians, like that whole book is set in just a normal college school environment for the most part with like just a tinge of magic and then shit gets fucking bonkers at the end of the book and they've lulled you into such comfort with like the world that it's in that the, the twist at the end earns its moment a lot more than if you would have started with just like fucked up shit everywhere. You know what I mean? This has room to go there, I think. All right, next up we got Bad Luck Chuck on Dark Horse Comics. This is by Leela Gwen and Matthew Dow Smith. Leela Gwen, I looked her up. This is, I believe, her first comic 
Um, but she writes for a blog called uh, Women Write About Comics. Uh, and I like dove hard into a lot of her blog posts. She writes an epic piece about her love for Labyrinth being her favorite movie. Um, and I kind of uh, developed a small crush on her uh, <laughs> writing <laughs> over this period of time. So um, this was Bad Luck Chuck. What happened to Bad Luck Chuck, Caitlin? Uh, well, the story really didn't even begin for me at the end of this first issue. I think there was a lot of things going on, um, but it was... I, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty crazy. We have this private eye, but sh- instead of, like, getting to the bottom of things, she's, like, destroying them. So no one can get to the bottom of these things. Uh, she she gets herself off from charges for arson in this first book, and we're briefly introduced to a couple of other players, including cult leader, matriarchal, matriarchal crime boss, uh, half-wit henchman, and but it's just unclear of like how these things are unfolding, like how major of players we're gonna have, who's sticking around, and what's gonna happen to Chuck herself. Um, she kind of ends up with like a trust fund tag along, yeah, at the end. So that could be something, could not be everybody's dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was crazy. It was just so much set up that I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen at all. I read this book and when I got done I was like that book was 90% just a concept like a really cool concept about a person that has such bad luck and is using it to make money but I'm okay with it like so okay with it the concept was so original and cool to me that I was insta pick of the week for me I love when um, I read a book or story about something that in concept just sounds so simple like, I can get the concept of this book out in a sentence, like someone who has crazy bad luck, but ends up using it to their advantage. It's nuts that I haven't read this before. So there's a movie called The Cooler, where okay. a, a guy goes to Vegas, and they hire him because he's bad luck, and he can cool off people that are having hot streaks <laughs> okay, in, yeah. like, Vegas. And I actually thought... This is. I kind of thought this has been done before. This is what this book is going to be right, about. Yeah. That is not at all what this book is about. This book is about a a, fe- a lady that has such bad luck that if she doesn't live in a room chock full of like hoarder level lucky uh, items, lucky items, <laughs> that she, her uncontained bad luck will set the world ablaze. Essentially. Yeah, and I love the insinuation that there is this like mystical world of like good luck and bad luck and where does that leave us with like fantasy in well, this in this story yeah i would agree i mean it seems like she knows where it comes from even if no one else does like she has a connection to it where she understands like okay well, i'm fine here right now but i need to keep moving mm-hmm. or i've lost a little bit but a little bit's coming back to me she kind of knows um a little bit more about it than we do i I love the fact that she's been involved in so many, like, accidents and fires that cases that could be arson that the cops are aware of her. They know that, like— But they can never prove it. She's involved in something, but they can't prove it or lock anything down because after any inspection or video on tape, (laughs) it's always clear that, like, you know, there were— wires that malfunctioned sincerely or someone else mucked something up and she just happened to be there and 
watching other people be stupefied by it was like half the fun for me. That we're in on this secret and then people just continuously get entered into the situation and are just like, oh, how the hell is this happening? Yeah. Like, I, I, I could see that just on that premise alone. This could go a few more issues and keep me entertained before it had to get more deep than that. I was baffled by like, I kind of thought they would have moments where it's like, okay, she needs to set this cult on fire, but her luck's just not quite like lining up. And it's like, nope, everywhere she goes, like she could never fly on a plane. Oh yeah, right. Right. Good point. <laughs> like yeah. it's just gonna be. Well, she could. The other people couldn't. That's a she good somehow point. survives all of this. She, yeah. It's like it's like Marvel's Domino. It's invincible. like invincible. It, it somehow works out to her benefit, but ruins everyone else's good time. You guys ever had a week where you felt like bad luck, Chuck? I've had a year. <laughs> a whole year. I had a whole year. I was just like, <laughs> Shit, well, man. fuck me. This sucks. Wow. I'm glad you're here now. Yeah. It's one thing after another, but <laughs> just one step in front of the other. <laughs> Basically, just keep your head down and get through it. When I when I when things go bad for me, I start counting them up, and like, so I get wrapped up in like, I've had a bad day, I've had a bad week, and like, I'm not saying I believe in luck, although maybe I do. Um, but I'm just like, oh my God, this, this is the worst day ever. Like, do you do any like, uh, super, superstitious, uh, bad luck breaker things? Like, do you go salt over your shoulder or spin around six times or, um, I have my wife slap me. (laughs) <laughs> that's well that's normal that's yeah. a good reset yeah <laughs> and then pull it together god damn it yeah she says you can do better and then uh I look at myself in the mirror and I I do better yeah just basic stuff <laughs> <laughs> just normal everyday things yeah you know what I do which doesn't help I just take ibuprofen <laughs> Do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're poor, this, your poor tummy. This will make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. I use it like a mood enhancer, like it would ever do that. But it's just a brain thing for yeah. me that, like, if I take ibuprofen, I'm like, I'm good now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I mean, in all honesty, what I do do is I go to Whole Foods and I buy every random, like, nutritious drink I've not had before. Spend, like, 30 bucks just buying, like, oh. On one kombucha? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, these, these are all the different uh, health drinks I haven't had before. And so then, you're bragging that you binge on health stuff? Uh, when you're sad and the rest of us eat cookies and ice cream? Well, actually, I'm not bragging because it's not good for my wallet, and it's probably not even good for me. I do the same thing, but with beers that I've never had before. So there you go. Yeah. (laughs) I piss in them all, though. (laughs) Now, why would you do that? Put them back on the shelves? Yeah. So I'm not even spending money. You want that extra vinegary taste? Yeah, it's like an infinite loop of Uh bad luck. Um, But yeah, bad luck, Chuck. Anything else to say about this book? I think from now on I'm going to pretend that I'm her when the day is going so poorly. I'm going to be like, this is just a new superpower of mine. You're going to get, get on Craigslist real quick and yeah, say... Yeah, try to make a quick buck. Uh, I have an appreciation for the artist, uh, specifically on the cover, for a very minute, hyper-specific reason. Is it the way they did the creators? It is not the okay. way they did the creators. I really liked that. Thank you for guessing. Any other guesses? <laughs> I want to open this up to the whole club. Uh, is it the way they did the hair? Nope, not the hair. Is it the like uh, the cards that are kind of flying towards the screen in it the bottom left-hand corner? the cards. So, as an artist myself, <laughs> you may know this about me. The fake number of 555-something. Five, five, five oh, one. Drives me nuts. I hate like 
looking at a phone number and seeing 555, and it just takes you out of the experience of feeling that, like, this situation is real. This business card is real. The number that this girl wrote on a napkin for a guy is real. But they wrote 555. They wrote 555. Each one has a diagonal shadow cast right through the 555. Oh, you're right. To play that down. And it's just, I, I feel like I have a spiritual connection with this artist <laughs> and that we are one and the same and share this kinship that uh, fake phone numbers and the aesthetics of that bother us both. Well, you can blame Tommy Two-Tone for that because he wrote that goddamn 8675309 song. His name is Tommy Two-Tone? That's the band name. He his has, given name. Yeah, that's his Christian name. Mm. I shall name him Tommy. Are you sure, James Two-Tone? <laughs> yes. yes. They ask you, you get one shot for a redo when you name your kid. Yeah. Are you sure? Before I put this answer? pen to paper, you want your son's name to be Tommy Two-Tone. No, I choose Dixon. I also like that you were glazing over the fact that Two-Tone was the real problem area of that name. <laughs> And Why, because it's French? Laser focused in on Tommy. <laughs> you sure you want to uh, go with it. Tommy? Yeah. It's the name of that baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, from Rugrats? Which yeah. Which was clearly okay. around when Tommy Two-Tone wrote. Just any baby named Tommy's a fuck. <laughs> yep. Was he Two-Tone because he couldn't sing? Uh, he was actually Ooh. a Dalmatian. <laughs> <laughs> right, the most talented good boy around. Oh, what uh, a good boy! Um, you know, I don't know why his last name was Two Tone. <laughs> to be honest, he had me and Tommy had a falling had... out about twenty years ago, so never got a chance. He had, he had a bad tan line, maybe. <laughs> well, any uh, closing thoughts on the week of comics? Uh, sh- should we bring up fucking Zack Snyder for five minutes? I just, yeah, I I don't care one way or the other if Batman kills or not, to be honest. I mean, Superman, you kind of get the idea he is this superhero savior, so he doesn't kill because he doesn't have to. And Batman seems like the most likely culprit to be the hero that has to, on occasion, kill someone. Yeah. Well, here's the better question. Would you guys kill people if you're a superhero? Or have you killed somebody? You can say either one. Have I killed anyone? No. On the dance floor, I have, but not, like, <laughs> with a, any kind of murderous intent. Um, what are my powers? You know what? doesn't matter. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? Okay. No. On record, Greg wouldn't kill people if he was saving people. <laughs> wow, uh, wow, what a statement. He wouldn't kill people if he was saving people. <laughs> if, if I know deep down in my soul that if I don't end this person right now that they're going to kill my loved ones and several other people then I have the capacity to I think end that person's life if they're just like a mob boss or something that Mm. you know are related to killings and are probably the reason people have been murdered I, I don't have the integrity to end that person's life unless I know for a fact that they're like going to be directly responsible for tons of murder 
Mike D occasionally kill people if yeah. he was a superhero. Yeah. And Caitlin. I would want to for both of the ones that you've just said. Okay. But I don't think when push came to shove, I could do it. Killing people is a long process, I've heard. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you want to speak on that more? Very or? important <laughs> to add that I've yeah. heard. Uh, wait, explain that. How? <laughs> um, I think that to kill somebody, uh huh, unless you have a gun, uh, is is a long process of like it normally takes a couple of different things. Like, what do you have a cannon? Yeah, if you had a cannon, I guess that's good too. If you had a, well, it's a nuclear not like bomb, we, we would be in a situation of war where that's yeah, that is the objective. Oh, I'm n- saying like to physically do it, like you got to stab like them, you got to beating or stabbing them. or I kind of like assumed okay. we were talking about guns, but maybe yeah, not. So did I. Okay, yeah. Sorry. So I thought I had a. Pistol I'm definitely like not like. A I couldn't choke anyone out. No, there's no way. No, n- none of that. Unless he cut but in front of me in a pizza buffet. I could do that with a gun. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. When you're thing just is. standing there and like even though you hate them knowing that that what that does yeah. to you is well, almost worse. That's why that's why like than what it does to that's them. That's why guns yeah. aren't, aren't cool. Well, there's <laughs> they, they just like make I've heard. There's, <laughs> that, there's that old code. There's there's the code between criminals where if you're killed with a gun, it's business. If you're killed with like a knife or with your someone's bare hands, it's personal. That yeah, that is the old code. I and think. that's how I live my life every day. Good to know. Which yeah. is why I'm not in the killing business. Yep. I could do it. <laughs> I could. Oh, no, just in I the could. episode on that. My- I could do it. <laughs> you could do it? I could do it. If you told me that tomorrow this guy's going to shoot up a room full of people and hand, like, Ugh, put, a gun in, put a gun in my uh. hand and say, you can stop it right now. Yeah. I do you have the option the to like take him that, to like a a, a center that can maybe help his mind? The, such as the conundrum with supervillains. Like right. I mean, villains villains get out and they perpetrate true. again. Think like, about no, how many no stories ever final. Think about how many lives Batman would have saved if he just Count, fucking killed the Joker. If he had just killed the Joker, I think yeah. they actually they've this covered an, this. This yeah. isn't an original concept. No. we actually read about this. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, like, did he do anybody a service by not killing the Joker? Is no. what you have to ask yourself. He did a service to the Joker. But he that... should see a therapist for having made the decision to not kill the Joker. Yes. Let me, let me... Like, you need that, some fucking what, help for not making into, that decision. It, yeah, it ties into what I said about it being more of like a... It's more of a selfish thing than anything else because when I was talking about it and I was like, knowing that what it does to you makes it... what What it does to you would be worse than what it's doing to them... That's right. all coming out of this selfish, like, how do I go on with myself knowing that I've done this when f- what you're saying is, does not matter what happens to me as a result of this, these people will be saved. Yeah. I would, I'm not sure I could kill people, but I would maim them. Like, I'd bring them to my basement and dip their hands in acid. And <laughs> okay. Torture. Have you been doing this? <laughs> well, like, I like, I like the thing that you catch a criminal, the put them in your car. I mean, <laughs> Take them to your home, and you're just like, dip your hands in that. That! <laughs> All the way. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to dip your hands in this. Keep right them in here. there for five minutes. I'm counting. This is, this now, is why. never let your dog poop on my yard again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the smallest transgression. This is why he was like, justice is a long process. <laughs> you know how hard it is to buy acid on Amazon? 
<laughs> Enough to submerge a human hand. <laughs> this razor in your uh, urethra, you're going to remember that. Oh, Ooh. it always goes back to the razor in the urethra. <laughs> have I said that before? I think you have, actually, in an early episode. Yeah, I think I'm really caught off guard with things going in the urethra. They shouldn't go in the urethra. That's the thing. Unless <laughs> it's a catheter. There. Assassination made a joke about that they fish did. that goes up your urethra. Oh. <laughs> Biggest fear. Something's going up my urethra. Oh, yeah, that's definitely one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Yeah. That and eating, a, like, a, accidentally eating an insect while I'm sleeping. That's a fear of yours? You would never know. Yeah, but if I had to watch it, like, when I'm dead. <laughs> Why would you have to watch it? I feel like Here's you're... a videotape of your greatest <laughs> fears, courtesy of the afterlife. Well, I got a, I got a newsflash for you. You and I ain't going to the same place when we die. <laughs> That's not true. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Defending Your Life, though? No. It's so good. It's Albert Brooks. It's very Uh-oh. good. It is very good. All right, guys, let's bring this podcast to an end. Uh, covered some great books today. Uh, for all of our new listeners from Planet and C2E2, welcome. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, find us on all the social medias. Um, and thanks for listening. See you guys later. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T. Want to say goodbye? (laughs) Ooh, sweet microphone kisses. If we met you at Planet Comic Con or C2E2, glad to have any new listeners. Yes, let's join do that. us on the podcast. We love you. Please do not turn off the podcast now because we are kissing the microphones. This is the sound of me kissing your but- beautiful butthole. <laughs> My mouth is making the shape of your butthole. <laughs> if, it's, if it's perfectly in the indentation. Now, now you fart a little bit, too. <laughs> Who's editing this? Because <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to stay in. <laughs>